Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Are bestsellers all they're hyped up to be? The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Hi, I'm Ken. And this is Chris. Hi. And Paris. <sighs> Hello. <laughs> Sudden intro. I like that. Just started right away. Get that the spooky ball intro. Well, it's because Ken listened to the Sleeping Beauty episode and he knew that he had to just force us to get started. Oh, wait, the Sleeping Beauty episode is out? <laughs> Oh no! It'll be out soon. It'll it'll be out by the time this ep- this episode airs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. I thought it's I coming it out, and I was no, about no, no, to be no, very it's... angry with myself for not catching that particular gem. Oh no! It's coming out on Tuesday, but this is in the past. So uh... Uh, October twenty sixth in the past. Hello and welcome to Terrible Book Club, <laughs> <laughs> and also Antiques Freaks. This is the Terrible Antique Book Freaks. We're here again. Hello. Um... We're uh we're here to knack. We're here to knack once more. Still, car, car forevermore. Constant knacking. Karnacki, the Ghost Finder is a series of short stories by William Hope Hodgson, originally published in 1910. They are Sherlock Holmes knockoffs with a supernatural twist. Mm. Karnacki, more like shit assy. <laughs> have I done that yet? Did I do that wow. one last time? Yeah, Chris, I think you I think have said that times. before. Wait, wait, no, no. Actually, because of last time, more like cum blasty. <laughs> no. Oh. No, Karnacki stories have... No. No. If, any... <laughs> <laughs> if anything, Karnacki stories are uh, underwhelming rather than surprising in any particular way. That's true. <laughs> Tonight we read The House Among the Laurels, and we will be reading it Eye of Argon style, which means we'll each be narrating for as long as we can until we either fuck up or crack up, at which point it passes to the next reader, and heckling is strongly encouraged. Hey everybody, Future Chris here, popping in just to give a couple of content warnings about today's episode. We've got our usual barnyard language over-the-top innuendos, as usually occurs whenever the Antiques Freaks are in here with us. Probably more our fault than their fault. And um, there's a little bit of uh, animal death that happens in this story. Um, And because we've been sort of radio-playing these Karnacki episodes a little bit, there might be some extra sound effects for that. Uh, Just a fair warning for you. All right, enjoy. All right, uh, who begins... This Who round. indeed? I volunteer. Who dares to open the tome of the Crypt Keeper? Oh, Chris volunteers as oh, tribute. He's going to step okay. on that landmine. Yeah. <laughs> step on a rake immediately. I'm going to 
say the first word wrong. All right. <laughs> this is a curious yarn that I am going to tell you, said Karnaki, as after a quiet little dinner we made ourselves comfortable in his cozy dining room. I have just got back from the west of Ireland, he continued. Wentworth, a friend of mine, has lately had rather an unexpected legacy in the shape of a large estate and manor, about a mile and a half outside of the village of Corrington. This place is named Gannington Manor and has been empty a great number of years, as you will find is almost always the case with houses reputed to be haunted, as it is usually termed. It seems that when Wentworth went over to take possession, he found the place in very poor repair and the estate totally uncared for, and, as I know, looking very desolate and lonesome generally. He when went through the went big house by went himself. Is a bold sentence to write. I know, I almost <laughs> fell on my face. Almost. You survived. But you did it. Nice work. And with riveting descriptions, like, he went through the big house by himself, and he admitted to me that it had an uncomfortable feeling about it. But of course, that might be nothing. Nothing more than the natural dismalness of a big empty house, which has been long uninhabited, and through which you are wandering alone. Or it's the stench of roasted clown. Could be that. <laughs> My favorite taste. The one thing that's wafting through every Karnaki story, it's the through line. Is <laughs> barbecued clown. <laughs> I'm just saying, I really feel like that was the best story, and I don't think this House Among the Laurels story is going to deliver. I'm, I'm going to take a bet right now. This story, not going to deliver. Three paragraphs in Paris, please. Give it a chance. I believe Never. in Karnaki. When he had finished his look round, he went down to the village, meaning to see the one-time agent of the estate and arrange for someone to go in as caretaker. The agent, who proved, by the way, to be a Scotchman, was very willing to take up the management of the estate once more but he assured Wentworth that they would get no one to go in as caretaker and that his, the agent's, advice was to have the house pulled down and a new one built. Why is it relevant that the agent is Scottish? Gotta know, it's very important. Probably it is for racism reasons. <laughs> it changes the accent yeah. that I have to do whenever the agent talks. From I, excellent. <laughs> I think Dia's right, though. I think it's because weird, you know, regional regional racism stuff um yeah i feel like this is going to be introducing something like yeah he couldn't stop smoking pipes and cussing that jerk <laughs> playing bagpipes at all hours and he had the entire house redone in argyle <laughs> i have a like a uh like a phenomenological or ontological question so so his the, the agent's like this house has got ghosts in it you should really rip it down and build a new one but like do the ghosts care about the actual, like, structure of the home? Wouldn't that land still be haunted? You would beneath think, right? the home? Yeah, like, I, I think ghosts just care about the, the actual place, not, not, the, not, the act, not the structure, right? It's the position on Earth. <laughs> Isn't that supposed to be, like, why ghosts go through walls? It's because they're walking through the house as it was, not necessarily the house as it is? You know, I did not know that. Yeah, see, ghosts are kept in. Ghosts are kept in by the wall, so if you tear it down, they blow away. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm just saying. Have just you ever saying. seen a ghost outside Paris? I have. I've never seen a ghost anywhere. <laughs> no, you see the ghost inside, like the band. I've seen ghosts outside. I've seen ghosts inside. I've seen ghosts everywhere I go. 
Uh, anyway, I really just want, I really feel like ripping down the house wouldn't make a fucking difference. That's all. It's an option. This naturally astonished my friend, and as they went naturally. down to the village, he managed to get a sort of explanation from the man. It seems there had always been curious stories told about the place, which in the early days was called Landrew Castle, and that within the last seven years there had been two extraordinary deaths there. In each case they had been tramps, who were ignorant of the reputation of the house, and had probably <laughs> thought the big empty place suitable for a night's free lodging. There had been absolutely no signs of violence to indicate the method by which death was caused, and on each occasion the body had been found in the great entrance hall. Right, but we're working with, like, Edwardian forensics here, so there had to be, like, a knife actively sticking out of them for them to be like, ah, forensic proof. Yeah, I don't understand. They're like, oh, the deaths were extraordinary, but we could find no signs of violence. So what's so extraordinary about two that houseless there, people there dying no in an abandoned house? I suppose the, the, the fact that there was no violence is the extraordinary thing, perhaps? You don't so they, they think that people only die by violence? Stroke, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, or to like drink too much, or take a drug, or have a condition. Like, I don't. Okay, all right, whatever. Proceed. By this time, they had reached the inn where Wentworth had put up, and he told the agent that he would prove that it was all rubbish about the haunting by staying a night or two in the manor himself. The death of the tramps was certainly curious, but did not prove that any supernatural agency had been at work. See, Karnak is on your side, Paris. <laughs> they were but isolated accidents spread over a large number of years by the memory of the villagers which was natural enough in a little place like Corinton. tramps had to die sometime and in some place and it proved nothing that two out of possibly hundreds who had slept in that empty house had happened to take the opportunity to die under shelter okay see this is what I'm saying this is what I'm saying Karnacki alright all right. we're knacking on the same frequency <laughs> <laughs> on the knack waves on the knack waves but the agent took his remark very seriously and both he and Dennis the landlord of the inn tried their best <laughs> to persuade him not to go <laughs> why is Dennis the landlord so funny to me because his name's it's about to get funnier. Dennis <laughs> it's about to get funnier it just seems so out of place <laughs> for his sow's sake Irish Dennis begged him to do no such thing and because of his life's sake, the Scotchman was equally in earnest. Wait, is he is he asking him to spare him for his owl's sake? I don't know. Soul, soul, Paris. He's putting soul. an Irish accent on soul. Why? Oh! Is there like a non-racism reason for the innkeeper to be Irish and the agent to be Scottish? No. I, I, I don't know. I'm telling you, it's going to be the accents that I have to do, which I'm going to fail horribly at, because it's kind of hard to tell when they're specifically talking. Oh, yes. It was late afternoon at the time, and as Wentworth told me, it was warm and bright, and it seemed such utter rot to hear those two talking seriously about the impossible. He felt full of pluck. <laughs> getting really pissed off, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> he felt full of pluck, and he made up his mind he would smash the story of the haunting at once by staying that very night in the manor. He made That's this right, you make more hauntings through murder, Karnacki. Do it! <laughs> Do it! He made this quite clear to them and told them that it would be more to the point and to their credit if they offered to come up along with him and keep him company. But poor old Dennis was quite shocked, I believe, at the suggestion. 
And though Tabit, the agent, took it more quietly, he was very solemn about it. Wait a second. I just realized we're not talking about Karnacki. This is Wentworth. Yes. Wentworth and I are knacking on the same wavelength. Right? Yes. Yeah, you guys yeah, seem to okay. be in agreement. And okay. honestly, like, I'm with J.G. Wentworth. <laughs> JG 877 Wentworth. tramps now. I'm going to live in a house that's haunted. <laughs> 877 ghosts now. <laughs> it seems that Wentworth did go. And though, as he said to me, when the evening began to come on, it seemed a very different sort of thing to tackle. I almost tripped on that sentence because when the evening began to come on is just a weird way to say it. Come on, evening. Like, why is it said, why is it said that way? It's very weird. A whole crowd of the villagers assembled to see him off, for by this time they all knew of his intention. Wentworth had his gun with him and a big packet of candles. And he made it clear to them all that it would not be wise for anyone to play any tricks, as he intended to shoot at sight. Of course, no one in these stories would do anything but shoot on sight. <laughs> nope, y'all remember the horse story, right? Yep. Fucking wild. Any story where there was a hallway? <laughs> Bullets in that hallway. And then, you know, he got a hint of how serious they considered the whole thing, for one of them came up to him leading a great bull mastiff and offered it to him to take to keep him company. Wentworth patted his gun, not the dog, but the old <laughs> man who owned the dog shook his head and explained that the brute might warn him in sufficient time for him to get away from the castle. For it was obvious that he did not consider the gun would prove of any use because he's a smart man that understands that if it's an incorporeal being, a gun won't have any effect. <laughs> Correct. But a big scary dog might. Wentworth took the dog and thanked the man. He told me that already he was beginning to wish that he had not said definitely that he would go. But as it was, he was simply forced to. He went through the crowd of men and found suddenly that they had all turned in a body and were keeping him company. They stayed with him all the way to the manor and then went right over the whole place with him. It was still daylight when this was finished though turning to dusk, and for a while, the men stood about, hesitating, as if they felt ashamed to go away and leave Wentworth there all alone. He told me that by this time, he would gladly have given fifty pounds to be going back with them. And then, abruptly, an idea came to him. He suggested that they should stay with him and keep him company through the night, because he's a big fraidy cat, turns out. <laughs> Wiener. For a time they refused and tried to persuade him to go back with them, but finally he made a proposition that got home to them all. He planned that they should all go back to the inn and there get a couple of dozen bottles of whiskey, a donkey load of turf, and wood, and some candles. Then they would come back and make a great fire in the big fireplace, light all the candles and put them round the place, open the whiskey and make a night of it, and by Jove he got them to agree. <laughs> okay, how much is a donkey load? Someone needs to tell me how much is a Hold donkey on, load. What is, this, donkey what is this unit of <laughs> don't, don't look that up, D. No, don't look that Whoa. up. <laughs> Value. Value of donkey load. I don't think, I don't want to go on that search uh, Actually, all. the first result was how much weight can a donkey carry? Uh, oh. A load of up to 100 pounds for a miniature donkey. Well, they didn't say a mini donkey load. They said yeah, the just full a donk. Full donk, full donk. Let me give you a whole donk. <laughs> How much donk would a donkey donk if a donkey could full donk? 
okay, it looks like a full donk is up to 125 to 130 pounds. Okay. Now that's a donk. Okay. That's quite a haunted so, house party that we're having here. 125 to 130 pounds of turf, wood, and candles. What or no, a, no, turf and wood. Turf? Like dirt? Like I think sod? just dirt. Uh, they're cutting. Yeah. If this is in the highlands, they are probably cutting peat because wood is in short supply. Oh, right. Uh, That's true. Right, That's true. Peat right. is, uh, yeah, fiery. We got to get Pete fires. in there. He was a clown once, so it's okay. <laughs> All right, a donkey load, everyone. 120 to 130 pounds. Is there nothing okay. Karnaki can't teach us? <laughs> <laughs> they set off back, and we're soon at the inn, and here, whilst the donkey was being loaded and the candles and whiskey distributed, Dennis was doing his best to keep Wentworth from going back. But he was a sensible man in his way, for when he found that it was no use, he stopped. You see, he did not want to frighten the others from accompanying Wentworth. Oh god, here we go. <laughs> Good luck! I tell you, sir, he told him, tis of no use at all. Flitten to reclaim their castle. Tis cursed <laughs> with innocent blood. And you'll be Bethler pulling it down okay, and right, building sure. a fine new one. But if you be intending to stay this night, keep the big door open wide and watch for the blood drip. If so much as a single drip falls, don't stay through all the gold in the world was offered you. Oh, fuck me. Chris, do you have some Highlands ancestry of your own? <laughs> No. Yeah, that was so no, that was so genuine. Surreal. I'm thoroughly Slavic, which is why I, that, I, that slipped in a little bit there. <laughs> catch that, yeah. Uh, I am I am gonna be hopeless. I can't do a Scots accent for shit. Just channel so. Merida. Ooh. Wentworth asked him what he meant by the blood drip. <clears throat> sure, he said, tis the blood of them as old black Mick. <laughs> Way back in the old days, kilt in their schlep. Schlep? <laughs> in their schlep? In their schlep. Listen, the I'm reading as it's written. It is. They have chosen to put the accent in phonetically, which I wouldn't say was like a good choice, but it's the choice well, they I, have I, made. I love it because like they don't expect us to know what the fuck a Scotsman sounds like. I mean, do you... That word, uh, thim as old, I don't... Did I get that right? What is that? <laughs> I just made the sound that was in front of me. Uh, blood... I don't know if it's blood of him or blood as thin. I'm not quite sure. I thought it was of them. The blood of <laughs> them as... Oh. Old Black Mick way back in the old days killed in their shape. In their, in their sleep. sleep. Okay. Their schlep. <laughs> their schlep, Ken. <laughs> it's the blood of them as old black Mickway back in the old days killed in their sleep. Okay. Well. Okay. All right. I could just say whatever well, I want here, sure. really, because you guys can't tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chris, you have you have narrative control now because no one can understand oh, what the fuck I'm supposed to say. Okay. "'Twas a feud as he pretended to patch up, and he invited them, the O'Hatters they was, seventy of them, and he fed them, and spoke soft to them, and them thrust in him, stayed to <laughs> sleep with him." <laughs> what? <laughs> no, okay. So they thrust into him and stayed to sleep with him? Am I reading that right? Y that's, yeah, I that's... 
Oh, I think it's supposed to be trusting, not thrusting. It's just the accent it makes it look thrusting. like they're thrusting. Or thrusting. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's supposed to be trusted. But, you know, in, in the spirit of terrible antique book freaks, let's go with thrusted. They're having sex. <laughs> yeah. Then he and them with him started and murdered them wasn't all as they slept. Please, for me, Chris, fathered. it's murdered. Oh, murdered. Did I get it wrong? Murdered. I think I have to Fired pass the buck now because like, I stumbled technically. <laughs> so, oh, um, no. When? <laughs> because when did I didn't do stumble? I didn't do murdered. murdered. I did murdered. Oh, no. Chris, please please keep going. You haven't you haven't failed. We're just we're just No going. one's picking this burden up from you. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> If you genuinely want to pass it off, I'll make an attempt, but <laughs> excited to see where you go with this. Tis from me father's grandfather you have the story, and since then tis death to any, so they say, to pass the night in the castle when the blood drip comes. Twiz, twill, no, that was twill, not twiz. <laughs> Twiz. Well, you know what? It's it's Ken or D because we usually alternate. It so yeah. I escape this round. Ken wants it. Well, let's let him have it. Twill okay. put out candle and fire, and thin in the darkness, the virgin herself will be powerless to protect ye. Wentworth told me he laughed at this, chiefly because, as he put it, one always must laugh at that sort of yarn, however it makes you feel inside. All right, sure. He asked old Dennis whether he expected him to believe it. Again, I can vibe with that, honestly. Oh, good. Oh, good. Irish Dennis has arrived. Oh, wait. Uh, Dennis is Irish. Fuck. I. Oh, God. The agent is Scottish. Dennis, the innkeeper, is Irish. (laughs) So this will be fun. Have a good time. Yes, sir, said Dennis. I do may need to believe it. And please, God, if you'll blive. Ye may be back safe before morning. The man's serious simplicity took hold of Wentworth, and he held out his hand. But for all that, he went, and I must admire his pluck. There were now about forty men, and when they got back to the manor, or castle as the villagers always call it, they were not long in getting a big fire going and lighted candles all round the great hall. They had all brought sticks, so that they would have been a pretty formidable lot to tackle by anything simply physical. Oh, really? And, of course, Wentworth (laughs) had his gun. He kept the whiskey in his own charge, for he intended to keep them sober, but he gave them a good strong tot all round first so as to make things seem cheerful, and to get them yearning. You gotta need them to get them yearning before the thrusting happens. True. (laughs) They're gonna be thrusting all night. I do want to sleep with all 40 of these men, so I gotta get them yearning. (laughs) If you once let a crowd of men like that grow silent, they begin to think, and then to fancy things. Oh. Yeah, definitely don't want any thinking happening. No thinking, just thrusting. Don't think, just thrust. The big entrance door had been left wide open by his orders, which shows that he had taken some notice of Dennis. Had he now? It was a quiet night, so this did not matter, for the lights kept steady, and all went in on a jolly sort of fashion for about three hours. He had opened a second lot of bottles, and everyone was feeling cheerful, so much now that one of the men called out loud to the ghosts to come out and show themselves. And then, you know, a very extraordinary thing happened, for the ponderous main door swung quietly and steadily too, as though pushed by an invisible hand and shut with a sharp click. Ah! Couldn't be the wind. A (laughs) ghost! 
Wentworth stared, feeling suddenly rather chilly. Then he remembered that he was in England, and it's just kind of like that. <laughs> then he remembered the men and looked round at them. And remembered he need to have sex with all 40. Yeah. Several had ceased their talk and were starting, nope, staring in a frightened way at the big well. door. Oh, uh, fuck. I really, I was really hoping I wouldn't. Oh, God, I'm so scared. <laughs> I don't think there are any accents for a while yet. Yeah. I think you might be okay. Yeah, I think you might be safe. Okay. <clears throat> Several had ceased their talk and were staring in a frightened way at the big door, but the great number had never noticed and were talking and yarning. He reached for his gun, and the following instant, the great bull mastiff set up a tremendous barking, which drew the attention of the whole company. The hall, I should tell you, is oblong. <laughs> of course. <laughs> South wall okay. is all windows, but the north and east have rows of doors leading into the house, whilst the west wall is occupied by the great entrance. The rows of doors leading into the house were all closed, and it was toward one of these in the north wall that the big dog ran. Yet he would not go very close, and suddenly the door began to move slowly open until the blackness of the passage beyond was shown. The dog came back among the men, whimpering, and for a minute, there was an absolute silence. Then Wentworth went out from the men a little <clears throat> and aimed his gun at the doorway. Here we are! All <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, I started. Oh. Anyway, I started blasting. <laughs> <laughs> yep, blackened hallway. I don't worry, someone's gonna shoot it. All hallways are a threat. Gotta kill fast, but bullets too slow. Whoever is there, come out or I shall fire, he shouted. But nothing came, and he blazed forth both barrels into the dark. <laughs> he did start blasting. Yeah, I, I shoots first, I ask questions later. <laughs> As though the report had been a signal, all the doors along the north and east walls moved slowly open, and Wentworth and his men were staring, frightened into the black shapes of the empty doorways. Wentworth loaded his gun quickly and called to the dog. But the brute was burrowing away in among the men, and this fear on the dog's part frightened Wentworth more, he told me, than anything. Then something else happened. <laughs> Naturally. Three of the candles over in the corner of the hall went out, and immediately about half a dozen in different parts of the place. More candles were put out, and the hall had become quite dark in the corners. This could still all be wind. It could just all be wind. The men were all standing now, holding their clubs and crowded together, and no one said a word. Wentworth told me he felt positively ill with fright. I know the feeling. Then, suddenly, something splashed onto the back of his left hand. He lifted it and looked. It was covered with a great splash of red that dripped from his fingers. An old Irishman near to him saw it and croaked out in a quavering voice, the blood drip! I, I can't fucking do it, the Irish accent, sorry. When the old man called out, they all looked, and in the same instant, others felt it upon them. There were frightened cries of, The blood drip! The blood drip! And then, about a dozen candles went out simultaneously, and the hall was suddenly dark. The dog let out a great mournful howl, and there was a horrible little silence, with everyone standing rigid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Standing rigid to get ready for the thrusting? <laughs> Uh-oh. Then the tension broke, and there was a mad rush for the main door. They wrenched it open and tumbled out into the dark, but something slammed it with a crash after them and shut the dog in. 
for Wentworth heard it howling as they raced down the drive. Yet no one had the pluck to go back to let it out, which does not surprise me. They abandoned the fucking dog? Yeah, fuck. I can't wait till every last one of these 40 dudes fucking, fucking dies. <laughs> I know, I want I want cowards. the fucking blood. The blood drip. <laughs> the blood drip. Oh, I can't do it. You guys are more Transylvanian Wentworth. right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I fucking can't. Wentworth sent for me the following blood day. Drip. He had heard of me in connection with that steeple monster case. What? What? What case was that? Okay. You know, the steeple monster. Oh, yeah, of yeah? course. That one? Was that one also an old man with a piece of ham? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I arrived by the night mail. Someone shipped Carnacki <laughs> to put uh, his ass in a box. <laughs> <laughs> and put up with Wentworth at the inn. The next day, we went up to the old manor, which certainly lies in rather a wilderness. Though what struck me most was the extraordinary number of laurel bushes about the house. Really? That's what you're thinking about? The fucking bushes? Okay. The place was smothered with them, so that the house seemed to be growing up out of a sea of green laurel. These, and the grim ancient look of the old building, made the place look a bit dank and ghostly, even by daylight. Hell yeah. Got that dank green? All these just green bushes out here, what are they growing in outside? The hall was a big place, and well lit by daylight, for which I was not sorry. You see, I had been rather wound up by Wentworth's yarn. We found one rather funny thing, and that was the great Bill Mastiff, lying stiff with its neck broken. How is this funny? Hilarious! Yeah, I hope they die. I hope they all die. Oh, Fuck all yeah, of these guys. That's a bummer. <clears throat> this made me feel very serious. For it showed that whether the cause was supernatural or not, there was present in the house some force exceedingly dangerous to life. Later, whilst Wentworth stood guard with his shotgun, I made an examination of the hall. The bottles and mugs from which the men had drunk their whiskey were scattered about, and all over the place were the candles, stuck upright in their own grease. But in the somewhat brief and general search, I found nothing, and decided to begin my usual, exact examination of every square foot of the place, not only of the hall, in this case, but of the whole interior of the castle. I spent three uncomfortable weeks searching, but without results of any kind. I'm fucking ghost finder you are, dude. And you know, the care I take at this period is extreme, for I have solved hundreds of cases of so-called hauntings at this early stage simply by the most minute investigation and the keeping of a perfectly open mind. But, as I have said, I found nothing. During the whole of the examination, <clears throat> I got Wentworth to stand guard with his loaded shotgun, and I was very particular that we were never caught there after dusk. I decided now to make the experiment of staying a night in the Great Hall, of course, protected. I spoke about it to Wentworth, but his own attempt had made him so nervous that he begged me to do no such thing. However, I thought it well worth the risk, and I managed in the end to persuade him to be present. With this in view, I went to the neighboring town of Gaunt, and by an arrangement with the chief constable, I obtained the services of six policemen with their rifles. You can just get the that? Arrangement you can just get, go yeah, get- Yeah, you can just be like, hey, I got a ghost. I got a ghost problem. I need six police with, with rifles. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> the arrangement was unofficial, of course, and the men were allowed to volunteer with a promise of payment. When the constables arrived early that evening at the inn, I gave them a good feed. And after that, we all set out for the manor. We had four <laughs> They gave me a bag full of Rice Krispies. <laughs> 
We had four donkeys with us, loaded with fuel and other matters. Also two great boar hounds, which one of the police led. When we reached the house, I set the men to unload the donkeys, whilst Wentworth and I set to and sealed all the doors, except the main entrance, with tape and wax. For if the doors were really opened, I was going to be sure of the fact. I was going to run no risk of being deceived by ghostly hallucination or mesmeric influence. By the time that this was done, the policemen had unloaded the donkeys and were waiting, looking about them. Curiously, I set two of them to lay a fire in the big grate, and the others I used as I required them. I took one of the boar hounds to the end of the hall, furthest from the entrance, and there I drove a staple into the floor, to which I tied the dog with a short tether. Then, round him, I drew upon the floor the figure of a pentacle, in chalk. Outside of the pentacle, made a circle with garlic. I did exactly the same thing with the other hound, but over more in the northeast corner of the big hall, but the two rows of doors make the angle. I don't know, dogs. You better, like, get your last will and testament ready. Because last time this happened with a cat, it did not end well for the animal. <laughs> this fucking... <laughs> yeah. This this Wario-ass pentacle that he's drawing over here. Yeah. <laughs> the garlic is a weird touch. Why does... My why garlic, garlic pentacle. <laughs> when this was done, I cleared the whole center of the hall and put one of the policemen to sweep it after which I had all my apparatus carried into the cleared space. Then I went over to the main door and hooked it open so that the hook would have to be lifted out of the hasp before the door could be closed. After that, I placed lighted candles before each of the sealed doors and one in each corner of the big room, and then I lit the fire. When I saw that it was properly alight, I got all the men together by the pile of things in the center of the room and took their pipes from them. As the Sig Sand Manuscript has it, there must no light come from within the barrier. And I was going to make sure. There must no light come from within the barrier. <laughs> yeah. Please, Paris. Ken is re- reading that as, as uh, transcribed. <laughs> I got my tape measure then and measured out a circle 33 feet in diameter and immediately chalked it out. The police and Wentworth were tremendously interested. And I took the opportunity to warn them that this was no piece of silly mumming on my part but done with a definite intention of erecting a barrier between us and any abhuman thing that the night might show to us. I warned them that, as they value their lives, and more than their lives it might be, no one must on any account whatsoever pass beyond the limits of the barrier that I was making. After I had drawn the circle, I took a bunch of the garlic and smudged it right round the chalk circle a little outside of it. When this was complete, I called for candles from my stock of material. I set the police to lighting them, and as they were lit, I took them and sealed them down on the floor, just within the chalk circle, five inches apart. As each candle measured approximately one inch in diameter, it took 66 candles to complete the circle, and I need hardly say that every number and measurement has a significance. Then, from candle to candle, I took a gard of human hair, and twining it alternately to the left and to the right until the circle was completed, and the ends of the hair shod with silver and pressed into the wax of the 66th candle. <sighs> wow, great great play-by-play. Play. This is one intense Martha Stewart craft. I know. Yeah, shit. No baby, no baby floss, or what was it, baby ribbon? <laughs> yeah. No baby ribbon today? No baby ribbon. Baby Just ribbon. A gared, ribbons. a gared of human hair. All right, there's another that, unit of I mean, measurement. That's a substitute. If you don't have baby ribbon on hand, you just have you know an equivalent gared of human hair, mm-hmm. and you're fine. It had now been dark some time, and I made haste to get the defense complete. To this end, I got the men well together, 
and began to fit the electric pentacle right around us so that the five points of the defensive star came just within the hair circle. These are all wow. capitalized, by the way. <laughs> a really like, supernatural name for that there, hair uh, circle. Is defensive star opening for electric pentacle this weekend? <laughs> yes. Or is it fucking hair circle? Because I'm so sick of hair circle shit. <laughs> so tired of hair circle. <laughs> Just a bunch of hippies playing drums. I hate it. <laughs> this did not take me long, and a minute later I'd connected up the batteries, and the weak blue glare of the intertwining vacuum tubes shone all around us. I felt happier then, for this pentacle is, as you all know, a wonderful defense. I have told you before how the idea came to me after reading Professor Garter's Experiments with a Medium. He found that a current of a certain number of vibrations in vacuo insulated the medium. It is difficult to suggest an explanation non-technically, and if you are really interested, you should read Garter's lecture on astral vibrations compared with matero-involuted vibrations below the six billion limit. I missed the I missed this era when you could just publish any old fucking garbage shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, we're in that era again. <laughs> I guess we are right back there. Yeah, yeah that's we're true. Uh, as I stood up from my work, I could hear outside in the night a constant drip from the laurels, which, as I have said, come right up around the house. Very thick. Those laurels have so much drip and they're so thick. They're Instagram <laughs> famous. <laughs> wow. By the sound, I knew that a soft rain had set in, and there was absolutely no wind, as I could tell by the steady flames of the candles. I stood a moment or two, listening, and then one of the men touched my arm and asked me in a low voice if I wanted to fuck right now. (laughs) I was going to say, what other question would there possibly be at this moment? (laughs) He's lit candles. Right. We, we got the vibrator going, you know, I mean, yeah. everything's ready. Uh, the mood set. Is that what this is? I thought, I mean, I thought you were pretty cute too, but I mean, like, there's a couple other guys around. I mean, if you're up for it, um, I mean. Like, is, that, like, is this your kind of thing? Like. <laughs> if only that's that was the paragraph I have to read. But no, instead. <sighs> asked me in a low voice what they should do. By his tone, I could tell that he was feeling something of the strangeness of it all and was very horny. And the other men, including Wentworth, were so quiet that I was afraid they were beginning to get shaky. (sighs) I set two then and arranged them with their backs to one common center. How is this not sex? So that they were sitting flat upon the floor with their feet radiating outward and their dicks skyward. Then, by compass, I laid their legs to the eight chief points. And afterward, I drew a circle with chalk around them. And opposite to their feet, I made the eight signs of the Sama ritual. The eighth place was, of course, empty, but ready for me to occupy at any moment. Uh For I had omitted to make the ceiling sign to that point until I had finished all my preparations and could enter the inner star. Why is the Sama thing always different? I feel like it's never the same. This time he's got garlic. I feel like that never happened before from what I remember. Mm-mm. And we never had to like World building. arrange eight guys <laughs> in a big orgy circle before we did this before. Oh. <laughs> I took a last look around the great hall and saw that the two big hounds were lying quietly with their noses between their paws. The fire was big and cheerful and the candles before the two rows of doors burnt steadily, as well as the solitary ones in the corners. 
Then I went round the little star of men and warned them not to be frightened, whatever happened, but to trust to the defense and to let nothing tempt or drive them to cross the barriers. But there's a also there's a really I cute guy them, on the other side of that barrier. <laughs> also, I told them to watch their movements and to keep their feet strictly to their places. For the rest, there was to be no shooting unless I gave the word. You don't you don't shoot your load. We well, have. Yeah. Till he tells you. A lot of orgasm denial. Don't, don't blow your load without. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he controlled that whole boat, so yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm. And now at last, I went to my place and, sitting down, made the eighth sign just beyond my feet. Then I arranged my camera and flashlight handy and examined my revolver. Wentworth sat behind the first Yep, that's sign. a gun. Yeah. <laughs> and as the numbering went round reversed, that put him next to me on my left. I asked him in a low voice how he felt, and he told me, rather nervous, but that he felt confidence in my knowledge and was resolved to go through with the matter, whatever happened. We settled down to wait. There was no talking, except that, once or twice, the police bent toward one another and whispered odd remarks concerning the hall that appeared clearly audible in the intense silence. But in a while, there was not even a whisper from anyone, and only the monotonous drip, drip of the quiet rain, without the great entrance, and the low, dull sound of the fire in the big fireplace. It was a queer group that we made uh, sitting there, back to back, with our legs start yeah, outward and our dick skyward, and all around us, yeah, the strange like. blue gl glow of the Pentacle vibrator, <laughs> and beyond that, the brilliant shining <laughs> of the great ring of lighted candles. How many Wiccan sleepovers start like this? <laughs> oh my god. For real? <sighs> Outside of the glare of the candles, the large empty hall looked a little gloomy by contrast, except for the light shone before the sealed doors, and the blaze of the big fire made a good, honest mass of flame. And the feeling of mystery... Can you picture it at all? I don't know. You just gave me fucking inch by inch, <laughs> moment by moment fucking details. Yes, I could picture it. God. Yeah, I imagine I could comprehend it by now. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> it it might have been an hour later that it came to me suddenly that I was aware of an extraordinary sense of dreeness, as it were, <laughs> come into the air of the place. Dreeness? Yes. What's dreeness? It's like a penis, but drier. <laughs> Not the nervous feeling of mystery that had been with us all the time, but a new feeling, as if there was something going to happen any moment, like a giant orgy. Abruptly, there came a slight noise from the east end of the hall, and I felt the star of men move suddenly. My dreeness. <laughs> Steady. Keep steady, I shouted, and they quietened. I looked up the hall and saw that the dogs were upon their feet and staring in an extraordinary fashion toward the great entrance. I turned and stared also and felt the men move as they craned their heads to look. Suddenly, the dogs set up a tremendous barking, and I glanced across to them and found they were still pointing to the big doorway. They ceased their noise just as quickly and seemed to be listening. In the same instant, I heard a faint chink of metal to my left that set me staring at the hook which held the great door wide. It moved, even as I looked. Some invisible thing was meddling with it. A, qu 
queer, sickening thrill went through me, and I felt all the men about me stiffen and go rigid with intensity. <laughs> that might be yeah? the greatest Karnacki <laughs> sentence there ever was. <laughs> I mean, they're really turned on by ghosts. Truly a work of art. <laughs> I had a certainty of something impending, as it might be the impression of an invisible but overwhelming presence. The hall was full of a queer silence, and not a sound came from the dogs. Then I saw the hook slowly raised from out of its hasp without any visible thing touching it. Then a sudden power of movement came to me. I raised my camera with the flashlight fixed and snapped it at the door. There came the great blare of the flashlight and a simultaneous roar of barking from the two dogs. The intensity of the flash made all the place seem dark for some moments, and in that time of darkness, I heard a jingle in the direction of the door and strained to look. Oh no, it it's was the clowns! Fucking the clowns! Are clowns. <laughs> <laughs> the effect of the bright light passed, and I could see clearly again. The great entrance door was being slowly closed. It shut with a sharp snick, and there followed a long silence, broken only by the whimpering of the dogs. I turned suddenly and looked at Wentworth. He was looking at me. Just as it did before, he whispered. Most extraordinary, I said, and he nodded and looked around nervously. The policemen were pretty quiet, and I judged that they were feeling rather worse than Wentworth, though. For that matter, you must not think that I was altogether natural. Yet I have seen so much that is extraordinary, that I dare say I can keep my nerves steady longer than most people. I looked over my shoulder at the men and cautioned them, in a low voice, not to move outside of the barriers, whatever happened. Not even though the house should seem to be rocking and about to tumble onto them, for well I knew what some of the great forces are capable of doing. Yet, unless it should prove to be one of the cases of the more terrible Saiti manifestation. Ooh, that's new. We were almost certain of safety so long as we kept to our order within the pentacle. Perhaps an hour and a half passed, quietly, except when, once in a way, the dogs would whine distressfully. Presently, however, they ceased even from this, and I could see them lying on the floor with their paws over their noses, in a most peculiar fashion, and shivering visibly. The sight made me feel more serious, as you can understand. Suddenly, the candle in the corner furthest from the main door went out. An instant later, Wentworth jerked my arm. <laughs> J.G. Wentworth, candle... jerking off a guy in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw the candle before one of the sealed doors had been put out. I held my camera ready. Then, one after another, every candle about the hall was put out, and with such speed and irregularity that I could never catch one in the actual act of being extinguished. Yet, for all that, I took a flashlight of the hall in general. There was a time in which I sat half-blinded by the great glare of the flash, and I blamed myself for not having remembered to bring a pair of smoked goggles, which I have sometimes used at these times. And I, I, I like a nice pair of jump. grilled goggles, personally, myself. <laughs> Vaped goggles <laughs> At the sudden light And I called out loud to them to sit quiet And to keep their feet exactly to their proper places My voice, as you can imagine Sounded rather horrid and frightening in the great room And altogether, it was a beastly moment Then, I was able to see again And I stared here and there about the hall There was nothing showing unusual Only, of course, it was dark now Over in the corners Suddenly, I saw that the great fire was blackening. It was going out invisibly as I looked. If I said that some monstrous, invisible, impossible creature sucked the life from it, 
I could best explain the way the light and flame went out of it. It was most extraordinary to watch. In the time that I watched it, every vestige of fire was gone from it, and there was no light outside of the ring of candles around the pentacle. The deliberateness of the thing troubled me more than I can make clear to you. It conveyed to me such a sense of a calm, deliberate force present in the hall. The steadfast intention to make a darkness was horrible. The extent of the power to affect the material was horrible. The extent of the power to affect the material was now the one constant anxious questioning in my brain. You can understand? I I can? <laughs> Thank you, Karnacki. Yeah. Behind me, I heard the policemen moving again, and I knew that they were getting thoroughly frightened. I turned half round and told them, quietly but plainly, that they were safe only so long as I stayed within the pentacle in the position in which I had put them. If they once broke and went outside of the barrier, no knowledge of mine could state the full extent of the dreadfulness of the danger. I steadied them up by this quiet, straight reminder. But if they had known, as I knew, that there is no certainty in any protection, they would have suffered a great deal more, and probably broken the defense and made a mad, foolish run for an impossible safety. Another hour passed after this in an absolute quietness. I had a sense of awful strain and oppression, as though I were a little spirit in the company of some invisible, brooding monster of the unseen world who, as yet, was scarcely conscious of us. I leant across to Wentworth and asked him in a whisper whether he had a feeling as if something were in the room. He looked very pale, and his eyes kept always on the move. He glanced just once at me and nodded, then stared away round the hall again. And when I came to think, I was doing the same thing. Abruptly, as though a hundred unseen hands had stuffed them, every candle in the barrier went dead out, and we were left in a darkness that seemed, for a little, absolute. The light from the pentacle was too weak and pale to penetrate far across the great hall. I tell you, for a moment, I just sat there as though I had been frozen solid. I felt the creep go all over me and seemed to stop in my brain. I felt all at once... And I said, stop touching me, you creep! <laughs> a power of hearing that was far beyond the normal. I could hear my own heart thudding most extraordinarily loud. I began, however, to feel better after a while, but I simply had not the pluck to move. You can understand? Presently, I began to get my courage back. I gripped at my camera and flashlight and waited. My hands were simply soaked with sweat. I glanced once at Wentworth. I could see him only dimly. His shoulders were hunched a little, his head forward, but though it was motionless, I knew that his eyes were not. It is queer how one knows that sort of thing at times. The police were just as silent, and thus a while passed. A sudden sound broke across the silence. From two sides of the room there came faint noises. I recognized them at once as the breaking of the sealing wax. The sealed doors were opening. I raised the camera and flashlight and it was a peculiar mixture of fear and courage that helped me to press the button. As the great flare of light lit up the hall, I felt the men all about me jump. The darkness fell like a clap of thunder, if you can understand, and seemed tenfold. Yet, in the moment of brightness, I had seen that all the sealed doors were wide open. Suddenly, all around us, there sounded a drip, drip, drip upon the floor of the great hall. I thrilled with a 
queer, realizing emotion and a sense of a very real and present danger imminent. The blood drip had commenced, and the grim question was now whether the barriers could save us from whatever had come into the huge room. Through some awful minutes, the blood drip continued to fall in an increasing rain, and presently some began to fall within the barriers. I saw several great drops splash and star upon the pale glowing intertwining tubes of the electric pentacle. But strangely enough, I could not trace that any fell among us. Beyond the strange, horrible noise of the drip, there was no other sound. And then abruptly, from the boar hound over in the far corner, there came a terrible yelling howl of agony, followed instantly by a sickening, breaking noise and an immediate silence. If you have ever went out shooting, broken a rabbit's neck, you will know the sound, in miniature. Like lightning, the thought sprang into my brain, it has crossed the pentacle. For you will remember that I had made one about each of the dogs. I thought instantly, with a sick apprehension, of our own barriers. There was something in the hall with us that had passed the barrier of the pentacle about one of the dogs. In the awful succeeding silence, I positively quivered. With anticipation. <laughs> and suddenly, one of the men behind me gave out a scream, like any woman, and bolted from wow. the Wow. Okay. Jeez. Fuck, Fuck man. You. <laughs> Do we have a casual sexism square on the Karnaki bingo card? Wow. I don't no, think we, we do. Oh, we also forgot to tell people to get their cards out. Oops. Whoopsies. I, I mean, that's oh, just no. tradition by now. He fumbled and had it open in a moment. I yelled to the others not to move, but they followed like sheep, and I heard them kick the candles flying in their panic. One of them stepped on the electric pentacle and smashed it, and there was an utter darkness. Wait, it's tiny enough for that? I thought it was much bigger. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was like a big I, thing with like wires and like Leyden jars. And a bunch of mm. sexy cops in it and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> in an instant, I realized that I was defenseless against the powers of the unknown world. And with one savage leap, I was out of the useless barriers. And instantly through the great doorway and into the night, I believe I yelled with sheer funk. Karnak is back on the base. Ooh, yeah. Keep it splashy, Karnak. <laughs> The men were a little ahead of me, and I never ceased running, and neither did they. Sometimes I glanced back over my shoulder, and I kept glancing into the laurels which grew all along the drive. The beastly things kept rustling, rustling in a hollow sort of way, as though something were Those keeping parallel with me among them. Wait, he's the scared of bushes right now? Yes. Okay. The rain had stopped, and a dismal little wind kept moaning through the grounds. It was disgusting. <laughs> These fucking bushes are gross. <laughs> Look at them. Nasty. Filthy Nasty bush. bush. I caught Wentworth and the police at the lodge gate. We got outside. AG Wentworth running away like a coward. <laughs> <laughs> and ran all the way to the village. We found old Dennis up waiting for us and half the villagers to keep him company. He told us that he had known in his soul that we should come back, that is, if we came back at all, which is not a bad rendering of his remark. I would argue it is a bad rendering what? of his remark because it was backwards and inside out. <laughs> Fortunately, I had brought my camera away from the house, possibly because the strap happened to be over my head. Good. That's, wow. Yeah, that's how it works. Maybe I'm not clear on how that's it worked. exactly what the strap is for, Kurnaki. Well done. <sighs> Yet, I did not go straight away to develop but sat with the rest of the bar, 
where we talked for some hours, trying to be coherent about the whole horrible business. Later, however, I went up to my room and proceeded with my photography. I was steadier now, and it was just possible, so I hoped that the negatives might show something. On two of the plates, I found nothing unusual. But on the third, which was the first one that I snapped, I saw something that made me quite excited. I examined it very carefully with a magnifying glass. Then I put it to wash and slipped a pair of rubber over shoes over my boots. Oh my god, he's pulling a Dexter. <laughs> the negative has showed me something very extraordinary, and I had made up my mind to test the truth of what it seemed to indicate without losing another moment. It was no use telling anything to Wentworth and the police until I was certain. And also, I believed that I stood a greater chance to succeed by myself. Though, for that matter, I do not suppose anything would have taken them up to the manor again that night. I took my revolver and went quietly downstairs and into the dark. This dude cannot wait to shoot in a hallway. No witnesses. The rain had commenced again. <laughs> but that did not bother me. I walked hard. <laughs> <laughs> When I came to the lodge gates, a sudden queer instinct stopped me from going through. And I climbed the wall into the park. What? <laughs> he decided not to go through the gate and instead climbed the wall? Yeah. He doesn't play by your daddy's rules. Yeah. Okay. He walks hard. Yeah. Karnaki unchained. True rebel. <laughs> doesn't walk through no gates. Always walking hard. I kept away from the drive and approached the building through the dismal, dripping laurels. You can imagine how beastly it was. Every time a leaf rustled, I jumped. Okay, buddy, it's it's a bush. It's fine. The wind goes through the bushes all the time. If this is going to be a problem for you, I don't think you should be ghost finding. Nope, too scary. I made my way around to the back of the big house and got in through a little window, which I had taken note of during my search for... Of course, I knew the whole place, from roof to cellars. I went silently up the kitchen stairs, fairly quivering with funk. And at the top, I went to the left, and then into a long corridor that opened through one of the doorways we had sealed into the big hall. I looked up it and saw a faint flicker of light away at the end, and I tiptoed silently toward it, holding my revolver ready. As I came near to the open door heard men's voices, and then a burst of laughing. I went on until I could see into the hall. There were several men there, all in a group. They were well-dressed, and one, at least, I saw was armed. They were examining my barriers against the supernatural, with a good deal of unkind laughter. I never felt such a fool in my life. Karnacki's <laughs> getting made fun of by the chads that live in the house. Karnacki's Car getting bullied by the by the Laurel oh, chads. You got electric pedicle? Oh, someone stepped on your electric pedicle and now they'll go through good again. Oh, I'm so scared. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was plain to me that they were a gang of men who had made use of the empty manor, perhaps for years, for some purpose of their own, like orgies. And now that Wentworth was attempting to take possession, they were acting up the traditions of the place, with the view of driving him away and keeping so useful a place still at their disposal. But what they were, I mean, whether coiners, thieves, and inventors or what, I could not imagine. Inventors? Yeah. Criminal inventors? inventors. <laughs> Presently, they left the pentacle and gathered round the living boar hound, which seemed curiously quiet, as though it were half-drugged. There was some talk as to whether to let the poor brute live or not, but finally they decided it would be good policy to kill it. I saw what two the of them. Fuck? 
force a twisted loop of rope into its mouth. Oh, God. And the two bites of the loop were brought together at the back of the hound's neck. Then a third man thrust a thick walking stick through the two loops. <sighs> the two men with the rope. Why is he spending so much time describing how they killed a dog? I don't know. So that I could not see what was done. But the poor beast gave a sudden awful howl, and immediately there was repetition of the uncomfortable breaking sound I had heard earlier in the night, as you will remember. You didn't stop them, Karnaki? You fucking weirdo. Yeah, what weirdo? the fuck, Karnaki? Yeah, I fucking hate Karnaki right now. What the now. fuck did you bring the gun for? <laughs> the men stood up and left the dog lying there. Quiet enough now, as you may suppose. For my part, I fully appreciated the calculated remorselessness which had decided upon the animal's death and the cold determination with which it had been afterward executed so neatly. You appreciate Karnaki, it? what the fuck? I, yeah, Karnaki, I the fuck? <laughs> I guess that a man who might get into the light of those particular men would be likely to come to quite as uncomfortable an ending. A minute later, one of the men called out to the rest that they should shift the wires. One of the men came toward the doorway of the corridor in which I stood, and I ran quickly back into the darkness of the upper end. I saw the man reach up and take something from the top of the door, and I heard the slight ringing jangle of steel wire. When he had gone, I ran back again and saw the men passing one after another through an opening in the stairs formed by one of the marble steps being raised. When the last man had vanished, the slab that made the step was shut down, and there was not a sign of the secret door. It was the seventh step from the bottom, as I took care to count, and a splendid idea, for it was so solid that it did not ring hollow, even to a fairly heavy hammer, as I found later. There was little more to tell. I got out of the house as quickly and quietly as possible and back to the inn. The police came without any coaxing when they knew the ghosts were normal flesh and blood. We entered the park in the manor in the same way that I had done. Yet, when we tried to open the step, we failed and had finally to smash it. This must have warned the haunters, for when we descended to a secret room, which we found at the end of a long and narrow passage in the thickness of the walls, we found no one. The police were horribly disgusted, as you can imagine, but for my part, I did not care either way. I had laid the ghost, <laughs> as you might say. Well, I laid the ghost, do. yeah? I got laid by a ghost, so whatever. I'm done I, here. I don't know if a handful of cops counts as laying a ghost. <laughs> I was not particularly afraid of being laughed at by the others, for they had all been thoroughly taken in, and in the end, I had scored without their help. <laughs> he scored with yep. the ghosts, I guess. You usually need another man's help to score. <laughs> I got I scored with the ghosts, so like, I mean, I don't care if they make fun of me. <laughs> I, laugh at me all you want, my electric pentacle worked. We searched right through the secret ways, and found that there was an exit at the end of a long tunnel which opened in the side of a well out in the grounds. The ceiling of the hall was hollow and reached by a little secret stairway inside of the big staircase. The blood drip was merely colored water, dropped through the minute crevices of the ornamented ceiling. How the candles and the fire were put out, I do not know, for the haunters certainly did not act quite up to tradition, which held that the lights were put out by the blood drip. Perhaps it was too difficult to direct the fluid without positively squirting it, which might have given the whole thing away. Uh-huh. The candles in the fire may possibly have been extinguished by the agency of carbonic acid gas, but how suspended, I, I have no idea. The secret hiding places were, of course, ancient. There was also, did I tell you, a bell 
which they had rigged up to ring when anyone entered the gates at the end of the drive. If I had not climbed the wall, I should have found nothing for my pains, for the bell would have warned them had I gone in through the gateway. Okay, so what I'm getting here is that it could have been nothing but a league of criminal inventors. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. they certainly invented this gate warning bell. What was on the negative? I asked with much curiosity. A picture of the fine wire with which they were grappling for the hook that held the entrance door open. They were doing it from one of the crevices in the ceiling. They had evidently made no preparations for lifting the hook. I suppose they never thought that anyone would make use of it, and so they had to improvise a grapple. The wire was too fine to be seen by the amount of light we had in the hall, but the flashlight picked it out. Do you see? The opening of the inner doors was managed by wires, as you will have guessed, which they unshipped after use, or else I should soon have found them when I made my search. I think I, I would have found it. I would have found it eventually, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have now explained everything. The hound was killed, of course, by the men direct. You see, they made the place as dark as possible first. Of course, if I had managed to take a flashlight just at that instant, the whole secret of the haunting would have been exposed. But fate just ordered it the other way. And the tramps? I asked. Oh, you mean the two tramps who were found dead in the manor? said Karnaki. Well, of course, it is impossible to be sure one way or the other. Perhaps they happened to find out something and were given a hypodermic. Or it is just as probable that they had come to the time of their dying and just died naturally. It is conceivable that a great many tramps had slept in the old house at one time or another. Karnaki stood up and knocked out his pipe. We rose also. Sure, okay, yes. What I have is a pack of men who do murder, but I really am not willing to say that they murdered those hobos, so... <laughs> I went for our coats and hats. Out you go, said Karnaki, <laughs> genially, using the recognized formula. And we went out onto the embankment, and presently through the darkness, to our various homes. Paris. Just a stunning performance of thousands wow, yeah. of words. Horrible, truly. God, I didn't even yeah. have to do any work today. Uh, yeah, sorry, D. <laughs> it was fine. I was just enjoying the extremely weird, gay, and violent story. <laughs> what a fucking dumb story. Like, <laughs> what a shitty story. I think I, if I was sitting in his living room and he was telling me that story and he said, out you go, I'd be like, no, I'm not fucking leaving. Give me some cake or something, you piece of shit. What and a terrible also story. why you did nothing to help the dog in either case. Yeah. You I was watched them say. kill a dog? Like, you piece of shit? First, you left the first dog behind in the house, trapped, and then you just sat there and watched while they killed the second dog. So I guess what I'm saying is, fuck you, Karnaki. Karnaki the dog hater. <laughs> Karnaki the dog murder a better. Um, I also just can't believe that he's like, I don't know, I just got a feeling I shouldn't go through the gate. Like, fuck you, Karnaki. How would you have had any feeling like that? Also, I can't believe that they didn't thoroughly check the manor. I mean, I know they were like, oh, there's a secret staircase, stair thing or whatever, but like, that had to have been part of the original manor because it was part of the marble stairs. I don't know, but I guess this is a bunch of murderous inventors, so. Was there no blueprints for this place or something? No, I guess not. And like, wh where are these dudes taking a dump? Like, <laughs> Yeah, well, that... That was another fucking disappointing story. I feel like <sighs> we have some kinship with the, you know, strange inventor criminal men who just pointed and laughed at Karnaki's electric pentacle. 
At least I feel a little bit. Not with the dog killing part, but with that part, I feel a little bit of Yeah, yeah. the dog killing. Really I feel a kinship with Karnaki's four named friends who are all trapped in his house listening to him (laughs) tell a terrible story with no interruption. Yeah, that is also how I feel. I feel very, uh, very trapped. All right, where does this rank on the next, though? Like... Ooh, not, oh boy! Not great. Um, pretty low. Pretty low. It's not as good as Mutton Leg. Well, man, that one was pretty good no. for how it ended. No, this one is just kind of lame and not really. I might call this one the worst one. I don't know. That book no, one I'm, was pretty dumb. The book. The book one was no dogs the died worst. in the book one. That's true. Yeah, but the book one wasn't anything more than a forged book. It wasn't. <laughs> there was no. Attempt this was just a bunch of criminal inventors, and he was scared of bushes the whole time. So I mean, yeah, this—the fear of the laurel bushes was really confusing to me. <laughs> Why did he think yeah. that like laurel bushes and wind were disgusting? <laughs> okay, Karnaki, disgusting and nasty. So the guys much that disgusts Karnaki: laurel bushes, wind. Karnaki's clawing dogs the wait, for fun. Wait, wait, those were like whatever. Does he have a sensory sensitivity? No, he just no. sucks, Chris. I appreciate you trying to trying to be kind, but yeah, you know, I have no kindness left in me. <laughs> say, Lor- I don't think Laurels even have a smell, so he's just a coward. <laughs> oh man, that was disappointing. I really did not enjoy having to read about a dog being murdered. That sucked. And not even like off page, like in detail. This is how they did it. I'm gonna make you watch the whole time. Like, what the fuck are you, Quentin Tarantino? Stop it. I also really didn't like that they doubled down and they were just like, how do you feel about all this dog murder, Karnak? And he was like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I got paid. <laughs> there also was no reason for them to have murdered the second dog. Like, even if murdering the first dog was part of the the haunt, it was like, ah, they're all gone. Should we murder the other dog? Yeah, sure. Like, Paris, why? What if, the, what if the dog told the cops? Woof, woof. Severance, yeah. Woof, woof. That's the thing. Like, I get murdering the tramps because the tramps will tell someone. The dog's not going to say shit. It's a dog. I think it was just put in there so that you knew the the uh, inventors were truly evil. Um, because killing two people didn't already establish that? Yeah. I now, Ken, you don't know that they killed those tramps. They might have just died. Yeah. Oh, my God. We can't be sure. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely fine. Disgusting. <laughs> all right well that story sucked sorry everyone uh what do you have i feel like that's how you end every single one paris I, there's never gonna be a karnaki where you were not gonna end it that way no i still yeah, think the whistling like... room was actually fine okay all right. i have faith in fine. the hog the whistling room did end with spitroastclown.com so like yeah i can never be mad at the whistling room um <laughs> The next story we're going to read at another time, the last one, I believe, is The Hog. It uh, is. Al- although we we did recently discover no, that No, Paris, the don't tell them. Stuff- no, don't don't do this to us, Paris. Well, I'm not promising anything. <laughs> I'm just saying we found out about it. So, we found out thanks to uh Olivia that the Karnaki um world has recently come into uh uh, what do you call it? Uh, public domain? It's been public domain for about 10 years now. That's why we're able to read it and not get sued. Yeah, that that's true. Um, I guess I just didn't realize that people had decided like, 
oh, it's in public domain. Guess I'm going to just keep writing Karnacki stories because oh, yeah, that's no. what some guy has done. There are plenty. There are multiple hacks writing new Karnacki stories as if it was a world that needed building on. What Ugh. the? F- that I know it. Wh- Alan Moore got in on it. Karnacki shows up in one of the extended universe League of Extraordinary Gentlemen things. I feel like that's just oh, a wow. funny well. That makes gag. sense that's though. A funny gag. Yeah, that's not a whole story that Alan Moore sat down to write about Karnacki the fucking yeah yeah. Laurel there's Bush, a side Batman. book. Yeah, there isn't, like, a whole side chapter about Karnacki. He just kind of shows up. I think that's fair, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. But, uh, yeah, there are definitely people out there writing- Wait, why am I defending Alan Moore? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was well, gonna say, I mean- like, <laughs> Well, I, I mean, you were, you were just presenting the facts. It's okay. I don't think you're yeah. defending him. Uh, but, yeah, so there's a lot of Karnacki fan fiction out there. Um, we have one real Karnacki story left, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how we're feeling about do we really want to read fiction by people who looked at karnaki the ghost finder and thought this is so good i need more no <laughs> no i don't want to no i really want to draw the line at the hog but there you know there may come a time when we need a filler episode <laughs> so that's true all right We'll see. Uh, I, mean, I guess this is the terrible book club. Yeah. What other book could be so true. terrible? That's true. Uh, and, and I do. We do have Patreon rights to make you guys read stuff. So oh, oh. I would feel right. kinder making them read the Seahorse Shifter and Shark Shifter Empreg romance. I feel uh, like that would be a kindness mm, in comparison to Karnaki. Like Wait, a seahorse and a shark? That's not even sex? in the same like genus. I think. Is that the biggest problem you have with the concept, Chris? Yes. For, as far yeah. Okay. I've only thought it out for five seconds, and that's as far as I got, and I refuse <laughs> to think about it any further. <laughs> I mean, I understand why they would go for the seahorse, since with seahorses, the males carry the, you know, the, uh, the offspring. So I, I can understand the appeal in, in that realm, since uh, D so... So unkindly force us to dive into it last Dee, what year. about shark anatomy do you think drove them to include the shark shifter? Oh, I couldn't even imagine if it yes, was the could. two penises. <laughs> oh. Cool. Oh, man, now what? Oh, how long is the hog? That's a question it's I'm going to answer. It's the longest one, I think. It's the longest one. And oh, supposedly okay. the only truly scary one. I don't know. Whistling room... Still the best one in my mind. Oh, man. I just accidentally scrolled to a page of the hog, and there's a part that just says, what is electricity? <laughs> so, like, Again? we have that to look forward to. Excellent. I, oh, well, I mean, I guess that's what you have to look forward to on the next Karnacki. On the next Ooh. Terrible Antique Book Franks? Yeah. Spooty. Oh. Man, yeah, I don't know. I have no other comments. This was not very good. Uh, I didn't like having to read through dog murders. And uh, everyone in the story ran away like cowards when the haunt happened. So, yeah, not a great one, Karnacki. And then they didn't even give us the satisfaction of them getting arrested or anything. Yeah, that's true. Know what the- they were doing in the house other than murdering dogs. That's true. The villains also got away at the end. The villains <laughs> got away after a graphic dog murder. Cool story. Thanks. Thanks, Thomas So Podgson. Thanks. I can't wait for John Wick to take him out. Uh, well, until until the hog, everyone. Until the hog. Au revoir. Bye bye.
Until the hog, everyone.